that he was so like such a presence yeah until awp and i saw him and i, I literally alan i was sitting in between jeremy and alan at awp the reading he did and i went <laughs> and they were both like and i was like i just am taken aback by how like handsome he is made, made you Gasp. I actually out loud gasp. Yeah. I didn't gasp, but I had the same like reaction. <laughs> I said he came to Tennessee in 2011, mm. so I was between my degrees. Yeah, and I just came up to see the reading. Or actually, I was living. I was back here living again, and he's he's like the reason I applied to grad school. Oh, like really? I saw his reading, I'm like I'm gonna be a poet. I'm yeah, for sure. Oh, that was great. Yeah, he's yeah. That makes perfect sense to me. I was taken aback by how tall and handsome he is, but mm-hmm. um, but also, I also exact same. Right, yeah. right, right, right. And then, but then he read his poetry, and I was like, oh yeah, okay, it's like he's a really good poet or something. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. I'm MacArthur. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. It's super casual. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Bryn. And we're two writers, and we have questions. So to answer those questions, each episode we're inviting a fellow writer to talk about their work. And other stuff. Welcome to Shitty First Drafts. This is the podcast. Hi! I don't know why, I think I say that every episode. Um, On today's episode, we have Andrew P. Dillon with us. We're really excited to talk to him. Um, I met Andrew in passing. I don't know, just in the poetry community in Knoxville um, a couple years back when I was still new to the scene, as it were. Mm. I've never met Andrew. He's a stranger. <laughs> yes. In your house. I in welcome a stranger <laughs> to our yeah. home. Our first stranger. Um, well, he's not a stranger to you. but Yeah, not a stranger to me. Um, anyway, we're really excited to talk to Andrew about poetry. He's a poet and a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> and a lover so of dogs and... Cats. Uh, anyway, how We're about just I... always writing people's like dating profiles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a poet, a gentleman, loves dog. Andrew P. Dillon graduated in the University of Tennessee's inaugural MFA class. His work is forthcoming or has appeared most recently in Analog, Stirring, a literary collection, Connotation Press, and Public Pool. He lives in Nashville and is completing his first collection currently titled Captain for Dark Mornings after a track on his favorite Laura Nero album. He is tra- tragically committed... He is tragically committed to the Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Sabres, and Tennessee Vols. He strongly supports the use of semicolons, M dashes, and the serial comma. Please welcome Andrew. I know sports. <laughs> Andrew, you took a lot of stands in that bio. You have a lot of opinions. A lot of firm lines. They are known. Yeah. They have been drawn. The has been thrown. Also, Buffalo Sabres. Yeah. What kind of sports is that? It's hockey. Hockey. Oh, yeah, it's like an ice animal. Saber. Oh, saber tooth type. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. No, it's like the buffalo. They're like all of the buffalo sports teams are like the Bills, the Bisons, the Sabres. They're like very. The the mascot is all the same, like like Mm. bison. Just with like a different hat. (laughs) Yeah, different color schemes. Bison wearing many hats. Swords. That would be great. Like just give him different props. It was like, it was a one day photo shoot for all the. Yeah, because you're originally from New York, right? From Buffalo, yeah. Buffalo, yeah. So that explains the uh, sports teams. Plus the balls. God bless them. (sighs) It's going to be a long season. (laughs) Yeah, I know nothing. Uh, (laughs) You know we're bad. what I mean is, agreed, it's going to be really terrible. It's going to be really long for you. It's going to be Knowing nothing. Andrew, how are you? 
I'm doing really good. I'm glad to the the week is over. The past two weeks have been super hectic. So I'm glad. As I texted Bryn on the way here, I was like, "Can I bring alcohol? <laughs> I just really want." Beer. Yeah. And while you were on your way here, I said, "Man, we should have asked him to bring alcohol." <laughs> and I was like, "He already like, offered. He's on it." Cool. Uh, Strangers again. no more. <laughs> um. So we have some poems today that we're going to talk about. But first, I want to hear a little bit more. You kind of touched on it generally that. Um, Terrence Hayes inspired you to go to grad school, but what, how did your career with writing begin? Did it start before that or were you a late bloomer as it were? Yeah. I mean, generally I'm a late bloomer and everything, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, with poetry, I didn't really start writing. I started writing in college, but I was already, I was late. Like I was not on track to graduate like Mm. in four years and I changed my major like several times. And so I think I was 22 and I start, and that's when I took my first creative writing class. Mm. I took intro or like the early level poetry and fiction classes together, um, with Kristen Robertson and Michael Knight respectively. Uh Yeah. And, um, I was like, Oh, this is, I really enjoy this. Like just kind of getting into that space and like, um, really enjoyed the writing process. And so I, um, I decided, um, uh, I was going to stick with it and my, my major became English, graduated, and then, uh, went to Korea, taught English for a year. Uh, and I kept writing, but just poetry. I was kind of not, yeah. I, I mean, I liked writing fiction, but I just, I didn't have, I think the patience to like <laughs> stick with a single story and yeah. like really develop a you know, a beginning and a focused plot towards a definite end, you know, I just couldn't. Preaching to the choir. Yeah. Yeah. I love how a lot of people are like, but plot. And I'm like, what about it? Not needed. (laughs) (laughs) Just meditate on something for a while and call it fiction. Yeah, fair. Just kidding. I've been out of the game a little while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The the thought of like keeping a story going for like 20 or more pages is exhausting. No. I'm like, it exhausts me to think about, but I think I'll probably do it again. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah, even a poem that gets, I'm like, mm, we hit the one page mark, we're good. <laughs> yeah, that's, let's wrap it. Let's get out. Get yeah. out early. And yeah. out. Yeah, like, that's way. all that fits. Yeah, we're done. One page. Yeah, done so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, pause on the Korea because I want to hear more about that. But uh, rewind a little bit and tell me what possessed you to take a fi- uh, like fiction poetry class in the first place was combo just, yeah was it just that you needed a writing class or were you pitting them were against you curi- each other yeah <laughs> <laughs> were you curious before that or was it just impulsive well so i grew up in a creative fam well my dad is a musician okay. he's a songwriter guitar piano and he's he's always had a studio in our house so he's in like an engineer and producer too so when we left buffalo for nashville um, like that was the reason we moved because he's a right. musician. It was like, we, we're going to try. He's going to like, you know, do the thing, do the real, mm-hmm. do the yeah. fucking thing. And so I think from, from that, like I had this kind of respect for my dad that he's like, mm. he's going to, you know, he's going to do his best to like live his dream. And so I always felt like I can do something like crazy, like write poetry. Like, yeah. even though <laughs> there's like no chance that I'm ever going to make a living yeah. at it. Mm-hmm. Like. Totally. Yeah, I'm gonna try it because I really love doing it. So, I, I wrote a little bit in high school, not like really sporadically and not in a concerted way at all. 
But um, I took like an intro to like literature poetry class in college. And my teacher, Abe Gostad. Sure. I think he went to, got his MFA <laughs> at like Memphis later or his PhD. Um, he was a, just such a great teacher and he had a great way of introducing poetry to like mm. young students and like in a way that you could like see what like just like the magic that language is capable of and I was yeah. just like wow this is amazing I'm gonna try I'm gonna try and write stuff but I need a class because I won't do it on my own right to like to begin so I took those classes and yeah that I was like oh I'm gonna oh, wait. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going yeah cool <laughs> so then you go to Korea for a year yep, yep. Okay. Just teaching English in Korea and I kept writing poetry um, and so I, w- I didn't have like a clear idea of what like I wanted my career to be. Mm. So I thought I'd be a teacher just because, just because I had an English degree. Right. Like, well, that's what, that's, that's what, what everybody do. tells yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. So I went and taught English and Korean. It was, it was a good experience, but it wasn't like really teaching because you don't, I didn't have to grade anything. I mean, I did have to prepare like, I taught conversation basically. Sure. It was just like a, right. they had like my students all had another English like grammar class, mm-hmm. and my class was just like getting them to speak and be comfortable with the language. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, but it was a really great class, and I had like a co-teacher who spoke was bilingual, um, or I had a couple actually, and um, so you had a whole support system of other teachers around you. Yeah, and so I didn't you weren't, like bearing the weight of teaching whole class yourself well so I did have to come up with the whole like syllabus and like class materials myself but there was nothing like when I left school like there was no grading and there was nothing to like you know like yeah teachers here like my brother was a teacher and a bunch of my friends have been teachers and it's just if you don't put those limits on yourself you can just never be done teaching you know you can always tweak your materials you can always give better comments you can you know Mm -hmm. It yeah, you never could spend ends. 80 hours yeah. a week on it if you yeah. Yeah, let yeah, yourself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but my experience in Korea was not like that. So it was, it was really good. But I knew I, I had to go back to America. I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't want to live in Korea forever. Um, so I came back after one year and I worked, I was actually a substitute teacher in Nashville, Metro. Oh my God. Yeah. It, it was so. That's a lot. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, fun question mark. What age group? Were all age groups? I, or? I only did high school. I could have accepted jobs owner, but I didn't. didn't I didn't have care to. But you love yourself. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have, I needed students I could like at least yeah. have a conversation with and just like talk to and just not wrangle a whole right, classroom. Not be a right. babysitter. Middle schoolers. Yeah. Just talking about that's making that makes me feel tired just thinking about that. <laughs> I'm already exhausted, and just like, can you imagine the smell of a, a classroom full of middle schoolers? For babies, <laughs> <laughs> going through a lot, and I don't want to help them go through it. Oh, anyway, let's, so, let's go. Why return? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was I did a year in Nashville as a substitute teacher, and then I moved to Knoxville. I moved back to Knoxville because I was trying to make it work with my ex girlfriend. Mm. It wasn't bad. It was been there, but being back in Knoxville was good, but not that idea. That that impulse was the reason way off for base. it was not great. Yeah, but the, the <laughs> what came out of it was the yeah. city yeah. is nice. It's a good city. <laughs> so I like it. I do. Yeah, I mean, I lived here for like nine years. Yeah, pretty good. So, pretty good run. <laughs> well, while I was here, Terrence Hayes came to read. He mm. was one of the 
in the now defunct Writers in the Library mm, series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's still a reading series, but it's yeah, not in different. the library anymore. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Writers outside of the library. Mm-hmm. Without the library's money. <laughs> Run by an underpaid grad student. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, and his reading, was, it was just so good. Like his, like Bryn, you mentioned, his presence was so, it was so warm and yeah. generous, but like captivating. And the, his poems are so good. Like, yeah. I mean, he's such an amazing writer. That's when I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to try it. I'm going to see if I can keep. Do this thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I knew going into grad school, I didn't want to teach. So <laughs> Same. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to do it for the assistantship. Yeah. So I don't have to pay for school. Yeah. But I am not going to be a teacher ever. I'm never going to do that to myself again. Yeah. <laughs> Except you actually had some teaching experience. I did not. Yeah. But I was just like, I'm not going to like this. And you know what? I didn't. Yeah. I was so. pretty convinced I wouldn't, but I was lying to myself and thinking like, well, at least this will like let me, help me to know if I want to teach or not. And I do not. Yeah. <laughs> figured it out. Yeah. Figured it out. It's a victory. Yeah. So figured did it you out know? after my first week of like <laughs> TAing a class. I was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. But anyway. Um, did you know that you wanted to go to UT or did you apply to a bunch of places after that? My first round of <clears throat> applications, I was very ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Uh, I applied to like Iowa, Florida, Alabama. Yeah. Like. The big programs. Yeah. Like it was seven programs and they were all like top tier programs. So yeah. like, and my writing was not there. Right. I got waitlisted at Alabama, which I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I didn't get in. Uh, and so the next year I applied to a, a smaller number and including UT. I didn't want to go to UT originally because at the time I applied, it was just an MA. Yeah, right? not a terminal. Yeah. But they, in the in between my first and second year, the Higher Education Commission approved the MFA. So I did get to graduate with the MFA. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I, did a, I did a similar thing where I applied one year and then again a second year. And it's funny because the for both years, really, I was pretty ambitious and I was applying, you know, like the Michigan, is it Michigan or Wisconsin? Well, both. Probably But I Michigan. think it's Michigan that has like a really great program. They have a program. lot of big, oh yeah, oh, Ann Arbor. Yeah. Ann Arbor, yeah. yeah. They're like top. Yeah, just year. like, I mean, I literally looked at like the um, Poets and Writers list, which is like the top 50. And I was like, yeah. okay, <laughs> which of these? But I was like snotty and I was like, I'm not applying to Iowa. Um fuck that <laughs> I just lived in Omaha for four years so I was like I can't really like, let's get out of this place yeah um but what I was gonna say is it's like only now after having an MFA that I feel like I'm even maybe competitive like maybe yeah. I would get waitlisted at a good school like a good quote-unquote good it's all right. arbitrary but yeah anyway. so if you're out there and you're about to apply for an MFA or an MA yeah don't worry about it it's cool it's all good. Yeah, I got in. Schools. Yeah, I got in by the skin of my teeth. Like honestly, I did. Yeah, and I got into the school that I was just like, ah, eh, we'll put it on the list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was where Aaron went. That's why I applied there. Yeah, I literally applied here because my friend who was applying at the same time for psychology programs was applying to the UT psych program, and I was like, I could live in Knoxville with you. And then she did not go there, and I was like. Wait, <laughs> hang on. No, wait, stop. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's Southern really Mississippi. Yeah, you did. You, yeah, I broke up with someone and I was like, "Bye, <laughs> peace, bitch." <laughs> I went to Mississippi. Yeah, it wasn't like that at all. Was I it did. a great I decision, was... though? Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. Hundred percent the right choice. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no, I just feel that. I don't know. <laughs> you feel that energy. I'm like happy for you. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you. It was. It was many moons ago. I never met the the ex in question, but uh. 
I get. I know. He was my, fine. I, I think he's doing really soul. well now. Well, yeah, um, but it was just like the right choice for you to not be together anymore. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, breakups. Am I right? Let's switch to our breakup <laughs> podcast <laughs> called Shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Shitty fucking dudes. <laughs> Oh, I wish I said that first. No, I, I don't know. Just shitty. It was pretty good. Oh, You've got enough material already for two episodes, two different yeah. episodes. Gosh, yeah. Uh, okay. So then you do the MFA. Yeah. And you learn some stuff. <laughs> that was an excellent segue. I didn't have any. So. I didn't have anything to follow that up with. But so so what remind me of the time period that you were doing the MFA? I entered in fall 2012 and I graduated in well I finished in spring 2014 but then I couldn't officially get my degree until fall 2014 because it wasn't like officially on the books oh, as an MFA until then. Yeah. Right. So I just I mean it was no problem for me because I wasn't teaching it right. didn't have any com- didn't complicate anything and I already had a job so Right. Um I just literally waited till December and went and walked. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, well, and you, and it's not like you didn't finish on time, so. Yeah. Um, and then since then, you've kind of stayed writing in your career, but also you continue to write poetry, right? Yeah. So my job is, a t- I got a job as a tech writer after my first year of grad school because mm. I was doing some, like, volunteer. I joined a professional society, the Society for Technical Communication, STC. Wow. Wow. Um, I... And I did a bunch of volunteer work with them. I went to conferences and just kind of like did grunt work. And because I, you were interested in tech writing or? Well, so I wish I could remember who someone suggested that I look into tech writing. And I really wish I could thank this person because it's been a really good career and yeah. uh, it's not teaching. It was a big right. thing. <laughs> I love that about <laughs> it. Dang. Wow. Maybe I should get into tech writing. Yeah. It was just a really southern way that I got my first job I went I met this woman she gave a talk on DITA which is just like a a framework for uh, like a publishing scenario Mm. and I went up and asked her a couple questions I was like oh that was a good talk and asked her a couple questions and she like remembered me and months later like eight months later emailed me and said hey we've got a job opening at Emerson like Emerson Electric Fortune 200 company yeah um you should apply I was like I'm not qualified for that. She's like, no, just apply. And I did, and I got the job. Whoa. It was a contract position at first. Um, but still, yeah. I mean. That's nice. Here's a lesson, ladies I just met the right and person. gents and folks. <laughs> be nice to people and talk to them. And talk to them in settings where they might be anxious about the fact that no one is talking to them. And then you can make <laughs> friends for life. Wow. Wow. Life lesson. <laughs> um, so, 2012 was a year in your your MFA. So we're gonna rewind yep. a little bit because that's when I saw that this you first started your uh, shitty first draft. Yes. Yep. So were you writing it? Give us a little bit of context for this. Were you writing it for class then? If it was during the MFA. I think, if I remember correctly, this was. August, it was August 2012 that this first draft, like I finished the first draft, like a complete first draft. And I think it started because um, in the workshop I took that semester, it was Marilyn Callett's class. Mm -hmm. And early on in all of her semesters, uh, as far as I know, she always has everyone do like a daily 
journal for like mm-hmm. a week mm-hmm. like just try to write at least a line mm-hmm. to see where that goes for a week mm-hmm. and it I think it came out of that like that daily like okay. journal like the the some the first lines came out of that and then I took like a lot a lot of my poems I took stuff from like scraps from all over mm-hmm. the place and like mm-hmm. yeah this that'll, that'll go in there that'll fit in there <laughs> yeah um so, so were, yeah. You, were you writing toward so you weren't writing toward an assignment it came out of an assignment then yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, I lay, I finished a draft and I'm like, and then I brought it to workshops. Later. Yeah, right. So that's kind of what I was wondering. I was asking from a very pointed stance because <laughs> I would only write a poem when there was a deadline. That I had to put <laughs> so I was like, ah, deadline tomorrow midnight. Okay, it's eight thirty p.m. <laughs> like, let's, let's tap out a poem. Yeah. So I wrote tap all my short stories when I was writing short stories. Yeah. Like, I'll just spend the day in the library finishing the story and Ugh. turn it in the moment it is due. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hate that. The anxiety of writing story, uh, just, we Can't don't need do to that. talk about it. No, I usually, like, if I tried to do that, I would quit college before that day was over. Like, I cannot handle that kind of stress. Like, the- I will, I'll be in the trenches and I'll do it and then I'll be like, is this worth it? Is this worth my mental health? I could go to sleep. Sleep is more important than college. Like, I would bargain with myself, and I would be right. Right. But you, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't do that. <laughs> I. But it's like we were talking about before, though, I would do that, and I would just convince myself to go to bed, and then I would still have to get up two hours early to finish my fucking mm, yeah. essay, you know? <laughs> but yeah. I. we were talking to our friend Katie Colgan, who just graduated um, undergrad. Our last guest. Our, our last Yes, on the most recent episode, Katie Colgan, you might be familiar with the name. Um, in fact, this anecdote might be on the podcast, so maybe I'll cut all of this out. But she was talking about just like by senior, last last semester senior year, she's just like kicking out an eight-page essay in two hours flat, yeah. you know, and I was like, same. I like, There's a formula to it. Yeah, you know, I mean, okay. by, by then you know. If you're an yeah. English major, you know. You so. can do it. Yeah, you can do it in a couple hours. I don't know how I got out of there, <laughs> but I could not do that. I yeah, I literally, like I said, I would be like, it's ten thirty p.m. I'm tired, or you know, eleven, whatever. I'm tired. I'm gonna save this essay. Get up an hour and a half earlier than I usually do. Get it done. Hop on the bus. I will get to class. fake an illness. <laughs> ask for an extension. Yeah. <laughs> Make my mom call someone. No, I never did that. But I would be like, I need an extension. I'm so sick. Or I got an offender bender. I would say anything other than write it all in three hours. I never asked for an extension because I always thought, I always knew that they would know I was like a procrastinator who left left Mm, it to last minute. I asked and I got. Ask and ye shall receive another Ask and ye shall got. (laughs) Get. Um... (laughs) Yeah, maybe it was just, I think it was just, like, Creighton being super competitive and, like, everyone was smart and I needed to also pretend that I was smart. Was it private college? Yes. Private college. <laughs> private liberal arts school, baby. With a, a bunch basketball of team. Jesuits, yeah. Jesuit basketball players? Well, <laughs> no, they Jesuit. weren't They weren't <laughs> Jesuits, but it was uh, run by Jesuits. Sounds uh, like a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> Sports movie. Yeah. Were you Catholic growing up? No. I didn't grow up Catholic. I literally, Creighton, like, fell out of the sky. Um, and I don't remember. Somebody, I think, recommended it to me as a school to apply to. And I was like, okay. And their English, like, chill. Yeah. And I looked, their English program had a good, like, online presence. And, and then we went and toured. And it was a really pretty campus. It's a gorgeous campus. And we, which is funny because we went on a day that it, like, dumped 
three feet of snow. So <laughs> campus was closed by noon, and my mom and I were there for a campus visit. Anyway, um, but it was so pretty. And then they offered me a really big scholarship. And so it was oh, cheaper cool. to go there than, like, in-state. Yeah. So That's awesome. Smarty anyway, pants. I'm so smart. <laughs> I'm just a really good test taker. But anyway, <laughs> let's not reveal all our secrets. <laughs> I think we've given a I lot of you. we've given a lot of professionalization hot tips in this yeah, episode I, so far. You let's know? talk about your poem, shall we? Okay. <laughs> so a good good segue. But let's talk about it. So, um, did it start with this title, or did you have another working title for it? I think it did start with that title, um, the Apologia. Okay. I read a lot of, I title a lot of poems Apologia. I anyway. was gonna, that's an Art Smith move. Because, oh, you know, I learned it, I learned it when I was taking his class as an undergrad because he had Gaylord Brewer come in yeah. and he has that collection of yep. Apologias called Let Me Explain. Yep. And uh, he was like, <laughs> it's exp- a great collection title. It is. Yeah. It's it. really, it's a, it's a really good collection too. Yeah. Um, but he ex- kind of explained like his thought process in like, like the way the Apologia opens up a lot of possibilities for a yeah. poem and it's just kind of a freeing way to frame a uh, to frame a poem yeah I think he came in when I was in arts workshop my first semester of grad school he came in and I think he by then had this theory maybe I'm making this up I can't remember it's I've slept since then but <laughs> he <laughs> took a really long nap um, <laughs> but I think his now his pitch is that like in some ways all poems are apologias um, I believe it. Yeah, and that mm. like they're in defense of something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like and that. It was an interesting idea. And then he told an anecdote about mixing martinis in the passenger seat while uh, Art drove, and I was kind of like, "Is that true?" I also I, love that. Yeah, well, I mean that's what he said, but I don't <laughs> know. We're not trying <laughs> to start a rumor that he's a liar, <laughs> right? I'm right. I'm not trying to tell, but I also could very easily be misremembering yeah. no one sue Gaylord, me. we love you come on the show <laughs> <laughs> no one sue me um <laughs> i don't know what i'm saying anyway so why don't we um go ahead and read this first draft and then we'll talk a little bit more about it if that's okay 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 apologia for never saying what i mean i am thinking about the difference between what i think and what i say How I take a nebula of emotions and impulses and expect words to find stable orbit in that space. And I am sure language must be a kind of translation. I I hear Keith Jarrett moan with his baby grand and think, this man doesn't even need words. I I have no words for the music, but I certainly don't think I am enjoying this music. Maybe there is something universal about language, that we create new meanings every time we speak. When I argued with M, I was always two topics behind because I kept going back to revise the point I didn't mean to make. When I was in Korea, everyone told me Weigukin meant foreigner, and I didn't learn until I returned to Nashville and got angry with a Korean friend, called me Weigukin at Starbucks, that it really means not Korean, which means I will always be Weigukin. And I know I will lose every argument with every ex because I can't conjugate the immediacy of thought into functional verbiage. So maybe I'll call it Duende. Embrace how slowly my world comes together. Send gift baskets and thank you notes to the women who taught me music does not start in the throat, but the soles of the feet. Surges up. Excites every organ and blood cell to the tongue, where you see it twist the face of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Hear it escape, untranslated from Keith Jarrett. I have to thank those women who took what I needed to lose to make room for that vowel of recognition I hold in my mouth for as long as it takes to reshape the soul into a song. 
Poetry, poetry, poetry. Poem. That's what you do. Snap. <laughs> so. I, I didn't, I forgot to mention when I emailed you that like all of those parentheses and stuff are just my shorthand. That's not part of the poem. That's just like. I was going to ask yeah. you about that. <laughs> What's your short, it's your shorthand for what? Like my editing, like how mm. I'm drafting and editing. Mm. So, so do you, when you are writing it, are you writing it in parentheses? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was curious about that. What do that. the parentheticals mean? Like that you're going to cut it or that? Parentheses mean, I'm not sure. Like I, I, you're not sure. I'm not sure. I think it needs to be edited. I don't like that word or phrase. Mm. Brackets means I'm thinking about cutting it out. Okay. And then not, there's no curly brackets here, but if I use curly brackets, that means like I have this idea that like, it's just a word. Like there's an idea that goes there with this word. I just don't know what it is yet. Interesting. So, or a beat, like wait, there's some sort of cadence that goes there. I have so many follow up questions. So, so you do that as you're writing the poem. Yeah, and as I'm drafting. Yeah. When did you start doing that? Always, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. It's or it, I mean, it develops like sort of naturally, um, at, like as I was learning how to write, like. Yeah. Yeah. What is how, in the writing process, how does that uh, help you? Right. It helps me like keep going with the drafting. Like instead of sticking with one line that I'm like, I don't know what this, uh, instead of waiting until I get it perfect or I'm satisfied with it, I can just be like, okay, I'll put parentheses around this and I'll keep going so I don't lose the, mm. you So know. it's your way of pushing through exactly. the instinct to edit as you're going. Yep. So just to get all the words out on the page with un the understanding that like, I don't like this. Here's me like demarcating that I don't like this yeah. and I'll come back to it. Exactly. That's super interesting. I've never heard of that. Yeah, <laughs> someone did, doing somebody, that. did somebody else do that or did you just create the system for yourself? Um, I don't want to take credit for it, but I feel like, yes, it was just something <laughs> that I feel like so, yeah. someone inspired me to do it. Sure. But probably, yeah. I can't think of who, but it you like, been. you created a system that worked for you. Yeah. yeah. Man, I came to play with like all these deep readings and <laughs> like these parentheses, like, and I'm like, well, <laughs> sorry, I didn't. Fine, no, that's okay, not I a big deal. Sure, I was reading them kind of as I'm like a fiction a writer. They were probably something. all bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but there's meaning. They're hugging the words. That wasn't one Ooh, of them. Yeah, I was gonna say, please tell <laughs> that me that wasn't one of them. That. I was like, ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you, this is the first. You said first complete draft. So does yeah. that mean that this poem existed in? Like fragment. Well, you said it was like journal fragments, yeah. but when you were drafting it, did it all come out at once, or was it something you set aside and then came back to? Oh yeah, it definitely was. I definitely had to come back to it multiple times. Okay, that's how, yeah. I don't know. There's only been like two poems in my life that ever like I got a full draft out like in one sitting. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So it's. I'm really, I just am really interested by the fact that you were saying that you were pulling this from other um, ideas because for me, like that, that it's a couple of things stitched together because for me it all, it seems like, like um, stream of consciousness almost like they all, the, the associ associations, the leaps make sense to me. I don't know. Yeah, it tracks. Yeah. And I mean, maybe it's just that you were in that, this specific mindset and so you were thinking about all of these things about language and communication and like the lack thereof and what it doesn't mean when language is very literally a barrier when you're speaking two different languages um and you get the translation the translation wrong but 
Well, so I remember when I was really young, I remember reading something about how like the Beatles and later Radiohead, I was reading specifically about those artists that they, some of their songs like Paranoid Android, for example, is like three different songs that Tom York was just like, I don't know what the fuck to do with these and I'm going to put them together. <laughs> and then, you know, the, it's like two or three different, it sounds like different movements completely, yeah. but they put it together and, and it, it works. works. Yeah. 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 Well, and one of my favorite, you've read Night Sky with Exit Wounds, right? Yeah. One of my favorite poems in that is the Notebook Fragments one, where yeah. it, like, theoretically is just literally fragments from his notebook that he's piecemealed together, but, and I mean, like, with intention, right? But it just, like, the way it moves, and it's almost like a braided essay or something, yeah. um, but it's a poem. Anyway, just really fascinating. So there's also a lot of music in here. Now knowing that your father's a musician, that makes a lot of sense. But talk to me about um, Keith Jarrett. He's um, a jazz pianist, and he's known as an improvisational pianist. Like, that's his... When he sits down, like, at a concert, he doesn't have sheet music. He has, like, um, like a, I don't know if this is probably not the right term, but, like, a theme in his head, and okay. he, like, he vamps on, like specific themes and he like he gets from point a to point b like just that's wild organically yeah yeah it's really beautiful there's a the specific album i was probably thinking of was a live album a live recording and in cologne in the 70s like it's just called the cologne concert um and it's like like tragically beautiful and um yeah, I just, I listened, I was probably listening to it while I was writing this because yeah. I listen to like wordless music while I draft. Mm-hmm. That hel- it helps okay. to kind of stay focused like in a, in a zone. Yeah, I have to otherwise, that too. I get real caught up in like words. Yeah, yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> it's so weird. That's interesting. I don't think I listen to music when I'm writing. Ever? Not poetry. Mm. Can't stay focused. Like I, sometimes I can... If I'm in the right space, I can, I don't need any, like anything going on. But like if I'm out in public yeah. and people are walking by, I like, You'll I'm, just a, watch I'm like a dog. Yeah. Like I'll just <laughs> pick my head up like, what's this person doing? Yeah. These are cool shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I don't, I, yeah, I guess I just, huh. Now I'm trying to think of it, but I, yeah, I don't think I do. Which is interesting because I do think like uh, very clearly in this poem for you, um, Keith Jarrett, quite literally comes in but the the connection is clear if he's if he's improvising from point a to point b and the speaker of this poem is having a hard time getting from point a to point b there's like this logical conclusion of like let me be more like keith jarrett who can just do the fucking thing you know yeah Yeah, i don't know i'm just really i'm interested in that and the way that music i mean i wonder how much it plays into like the rhythm of your pieces too if you're listening to jazz and if, if it's a a faster piece or a little bit more of an experimental piece like what does that do to the natural cadence yeah of what you're writing i don't yeah i don't know how to i don't know if there's a strong correlation between that but like when i think about the rhythm of any poem i think of instead of music i think of more in like oratory cuz that's mm-hmm. the way i write i don't write like a lot of very tight lyrical poems i write sure. more like like Dean Young or Richard mm-hmm. Jackson or someone like who's like like you said like kind of kind of letting the line like stretch out a little bit and mm-hmm. just tr- you know when something comes he pulls it back in yeah mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah. I know Richard Jackson. He's I I'm... I went to Slovenia with him. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've read so many it's of those strange. poems. He loves it there. It's beautiful. I want to just Small world. can we switch? This is the third podcast where we just <laughs> Talk I about just Slovenia. fanboy out on Richard Jackson yeah. and you oh, tell me stories. No, he was um uh Oh. My friend's professor. <laughs> Ex-boyfriend. Brian, you haven't talked about any of your exes yet. <laughs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> Mine's in the poem, so. You're very literally in the poem, yeah. Gosh, um, no, the um, uh, sex poem I wrote about an ex just got published, and I was like, nice. I feel yes. weird. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes. I haven't thought about this person in a year. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. <clears throat> Just kidding. <laughs> no, zero shout outs to that person. Can we hear the first draft of that poem? I'm sure it's I like have it somewhere. It's, I'm sure it's frantic text. <laughs> it's like me voice texting myself. Like, yeah. anyway. <clears throat> what were we talking about? I just, I got super excited. Only poems. Oh, yeah, yeah, Only yeah, poems yeah. and exes. <laughs> um, Welcome to our podcast. Shitty. <laughs> Where we talk about poetry and exes. That would be a great podcast. It, truly. It would be even more niche than this one, though. So, yeah. There's so much fodder for it, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gosh. There are, I can, like, think of a million poets off the top of my head who I'm like, I want to talk to you and you and you. Like, it, yeah. So about like, their personal lives? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> about the breakup that inspired the breakup poem, you Yeah, know? for sure. I would. Let's do that. Let's talk about that later. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> Anyway, um, do you want to ask this question that you wrote down? Oh, yes. I wrote the brilliant question, why shitty, question mark. <laughs> um, I want to know what you, you, you took this to workshop. Well, and you, yeah. even in your email you were saying, or like you even texted me and you were like, so many of these things are so cringy. <laughs> and, and, you know, in our, your email to us, you were saying, oh, it was like hard to read back over these. And I think Stephanie and I were both reading over this first one, like, I mean, that's what I'm about, you know, like, it's clearly you working through something, so there's extraneous language for sure, but it's not like, well, yeah, I I have some shitty first drafts, Andrew, and (laughs) And it's just not fair. (laughs) Yeah, fuck you. (laughs) Well, okay, so I was in grad school already when I wrote this one, so I was already writing for a little bit. I I chose this one specifically because I think it offered the most at least in my mind, the most opportunity to talk about uh, of the the drafts that I could yeah. have sent, mm-hmm. like how I, like my writing process changed or like sure. my thought process changed like, yeah. in a period of time. Because like, so, I mean, some of the fragments I think are year, much like years older than oh, really? like the, t- the 2012 date that's on like that first draft. Mm-hmm. So some of those like ideas were like really old and le- yeah, like the language... A lot of the was really clunky. Like when I was reading it, I'm like, there's so many extra like words and like kind of like heavy handed like verbs. And yeah, I was like, there's some like there are some places where it's a little bit less clear too. I would like a couple of places where I'm like, I wanted to be there with you, but I I didn't quite make that leap or didn't understand. Like bringing in Duende, I was like. Yeah. I mean, I love that word, mm-hmm. but I still like, so there are some turns that I think become a lot more clearer mm-hmm. in the um, next draft. Yeah. So were you yeah. saying that some of these were kind of like darling like thoughts where you're like holding on to them for a long time? Or do you mean like they're just older and you weren't you're sure trying to how fluff to make up them. a poem? <laughs> <laughs> that happens too. Uh, they were, 
No, they weren't. They were just lines like that didn't go with anything like that. I randomly like I had a thought like in my car and I pull out of my like shower yeah. thoughts. Yeah, I think we should it, yeah. do a special edition like phone notes oh my episode God, I because so much. I'll open my OneNote and I have like three books worth of shit yeah. like yeah. in my OneNote. It's I also have. I mean, I have. I call them orphans, but I have little lines that I like was too precious about to fully delete them. And I just like pull them into another document. Yeah. And I yeah, think exactly. that document would be hilarious because I am sure yeah. they're all terrible. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But they're great. Mm. <laughs> I should just like throw them all together and make a ball. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I'm just going to throw them all away. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Fuck you. That's a good thing to say, but don't do that. Yeah, just Beatles. No, and I mean. Tom Yorkham. Yeah. yeah. Tom yeah, Yorkham. Exactly. Make a three part series yeah i do that all the time though i'll be like i don't know how to write this story and then i'll overhear a conversation and be like oh that's going in yeah <laughs> that's how i'm editing it's also funny though because aaron in workshop is always like this feels like a different poem and you're like oh, get away with it that time you know she like calls it out yeah one of the tone shifts or whatever yeah anyway so speaking of workshops speaking of editing um what was your process for revising this piece i ha- so i wrote this in Marilyn's class like that first semester and I didn't turn it in until the next semester in one of Art Smith's class. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, and at the time, so I was with, it was at a class with one member of my cohort, Brian Keithley. Um, and then it, but otherwise it was a 400 level class. It was with undergrads. Oh yeah. Okay. But um, you, I don't know if there were, you might've met any of these people, but Andy Emmett, Shiloh Gines. Oh, I know Shiloh. Yeah. Shao's a really amazing poet, and so is Andy. He's like he Miron let him join the grad class as uh, an undergrad. As an undergrad, yeah, he's yeah. fantastic. Were they really good friends? Yes. I, yeah, yeah. I think I know who that is. Yeah, yeah. He's often like Philadelphia now. He writes for Pitchfork sometimes. Shit. Yeah, he's doing okay. as far as I can tell, pretty well professionally. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, do you want to go ahead and read the second draft? Yeah. Apologia for never saying what I mean. I am thinking about the difference between what I think and what I say. How I take a nebula of emotions and impulses and expect words to find stable orbit in that space, and I am sure language must be a kind of translation. If I had not failed as a musician, I would play the piano and ignore words completely. Keith Jarrett moans, and we understand he means, you don't know what love is. So maybe there is something universal about language. When I argued with M, I was always two topics behind, because I kept going back to revise the point I didn't mean to make. Every expatriate in Korea thinks Weigugin means foreigner. I didn't learn until I returned to Nashville and snapped at a Korean friend in Starbucks. I can't be a foreigner in my own country. That the best translation is not Korean. I'm more frightened every year at how effectively my mouth misrepresents me. What would you think if I told you I witched M. Broken Heart? But what if I said this poem was once titled Duende? What if this were a song called Ita, but I didn't tell you what that means? What if my Korean friend spoke no English and didn't hear my petulance? I don't know if I'm making myself clear. Pretend I elucidated the problem of turning ideas into words. Pretend I did it with fewer words. If you ask what I've learned, I'd say now I embrace my mind's slow system. Send thanks to the women who showed me. Music starts in the soles of the feet, surges to the tongue. I have to thank those women who took what I needed to lose to make room for the vowel of recognition I hold in my mouth for as long as it takes to reshape the soul 
into a song. Nice. Ooh, we got that last snap Ooh. in there. Ooh. <laughs> okay. So, I mean... This one seems to know what it's doing with its life. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, there's so there's a, an interesting... Like, there's so much of the first draft in this. But it's a completely different poem. Yeah. In my mind. It feels like rhythmically or oratorically however you want to say it like it feels it just feels so much better like when i speak i like feel like oh that, that feels i like saying that a lot better yeah <laughs> it feels i think it feels more like um the poem is a complete thought like a yeah like it, it is threaded together a mm-hmm. bit more i think than the first one which totally makes sense for the way you were saying it's put together yeah um it's also interesting because it asks it like turns and asks the speaker or the reader the speaker turns and asks the reader a bunch of questions but which is such an interesting turn because the first draft felt like it was asking itself a lot of questions like and hadn't answered any of them and then now the like readers being asked all these questions toward the like bottom third of that which i think is it's an interesting move because it's like it's the speaker asking themselves but also asking the reader these things i think i learned that from richard jackson (laughs) i don't know if it necessarily the questions but like the the like establishing the rhythm like that with that anaphora and then like changing the like like the pronouns or like the like abruptly changing the rhythm because it makes the reader sort of pay attention right and i learned from reading his collections like oh wow like you can in your head these pa- these poems sound so rich, like yeah, rhythmically. Well, it also brings the reader in even more because it's like implicating the reader in this the questions that are being asked. It's like um, making the reader also feel like they aren't saying what they mean as a reader, which is <laughs> maybe a confusing way to put it. But <laughs> I was like. I don't know what what if you didn't tell me how to say or what it means like what? Yeah, I don't know how like, I know <laughs> started yeah. to feel that same like the same feeling I, I thought that the the speaker was like experiencing in, mm-hmm. in the yeah. and I like the turn of that like a first draft is like asking a lot of questions and the second draft is like figuring them out and then like turning them you know like <laughs> yeah no you answer this question you yeah. know I don't know it just kind of it kind of sits right for the drafting process. Like the first one's asking questions and the second one's answering, figuring out. And asking, but then asking And then them asking again. more. Yeah. Or asking them in a smarter way. I don't know. But it works for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for bringing in a poem. It works great for our podcast. <laughs> I tried. I yeah. tried. It's um, so funny. I feel like I read this one so differently too because I was like, well, the brackets are gone, so... <laughs> Obviously, you it's had a, a different, different work experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, so here's what I'm curious about is, especially if you have this shorthand for when you're drafting, what what is the process of editing a poem like this look like? Is it like so the first draft, um, you, you've dated it August 2012, and then this one's dated June 2013. So it's almost a calendar year, which is a pretty quick turnaround time. For you, <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say, yeah, shoot. Um, but also, yeah, I guess I guess the question I'm asking is, what was the um, revision process like for this poem, and is it different or the same from how you're usually revised poems? For this poem, I think um, 
Well, so the drafting process started with, I, w- I think, <clears throat> outside of like playing or, or letting the music kind of like guide me a little bit. Um, I also did a little bit of research into like language acquisition, like because I'd taken some linguistics courses and I was just kind of have a amateur interest in linguistics. But I, I think I read up a little bit on like kind of um, not language acquisition. That's not the right word. Um, just kind of a, a linguistic relativism. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was I think I was just trying to think about the way language affects the way we think and the way and the way how, how we think affects the way we speak yeah mm-hmm. absolutely um and so i think i did a little bit of reading on that during the drafting process and then revision i think this was pretty straightforward for me it was um i usually like so i have all that shorthand so i already know like what to me feels like is most glaringly wrong with the poem so i just start at the top and i read it out loud as I'm revising. So yeah, that's the, I mean, that's one of the big things for me is like, I have to know how the poem sounds out loud to get anywhere with it. And then I, when I hit that first bracket or parentheses, I stop there and I'm just focused on getting, getting that line right before I move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. And it's just this constant iteration of reading the thing out loud and probably walking away for a week and coming back (laughs) and, you know, uh, God, it takes so long sometimes. Like, yeah. what was that, eight, nine months? Like, that's not, for me, that's, like, so fast to finish a poem. Yeah. Right? I read, like, Ocean Vong saying that he writes, like, ten poems a year, if that. Yeah. And, like. Which is actually really encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, thank God. <laughs> you end up with a beautiful book of poetry, yeah, right. perhaps. Right. Yeah, Um But, yeah, for, for me, I, I probably have more drafts in progress than that, but I don't finish any more than ten poems a year. Or, right. Eight. Sure, yeah. Well, and some things have to percolate. Like, yeah, uh, simmer. I take that to a very, <laughs> to the extreme. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, marinate like that sort of yeah. subconscious. I mean, you ha- yeah, you have to. And like you said, you learned more things in over that course of time that yeah. clearly you were able to then bring into the poem and yeah. give it a clear sense of direction. But mm-hmm. so it's in the revision that you then like allow yourself to sort of indulge in that, um, <laughs> like, extraction is the only word I can think of, but like extracting out that idea that you're trying to get to. Um, but like really, like you said, you sit on it until you get it right. That yeah. to me, I, I, I'm like flip a table and then I'm, you know, I'm like, <laughs> fuck this. I can't get this line right. Let's move on. Or let's more realistically leave this in my <laughs> computer file for <laughs> yeah. six months and be now, like, I need to bring a Pomodoro job. Now I'm, I'm curious now if there are like multiple drafts where you, you switch something out in a bracket and then you just, you're like, man, it's still staying in the bracket. Like, you haven't earned your place <laughs> yeah. outside of the bracket yet. Yeah, that's um. that definitely happens. Like, I'll, <laughs> like, oh, there's a better word, but I don't know if I like it. It's not the yeah, perfect you know, word. Let me, yeah. let me consult my thesaurus. <laughs> Truly. Thesaurus.com. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, you go down some rabbit holes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're just, like, looking at, like, similar words until you're, like, at a completely different meaning altogether. <laughs> I love it. It's fun. Um, so when, at one point, do you take out the bracket, or the parentheses or brackets um only only when it's perfect no not i think a lot of times it's just time Mm -hmm. like i've read it so many times that it feels like the right word at that point Mm -hmm. like i maybe like i actually have poems that are published that are still have like brackets and parentheses in them but i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not gonna change it yeah but it's like (laughs) because i mean it sounds right now because i've read it like i've taken it to a reading or you know it's in my head i've read it so many times that it 
if I changed the word or like the sounds there, it would fuck up the whole line. That's yeah. so funny. But so then the editors are probably thinking that that's like a, a stylistic choice. And you're <laughs> just like, no, this poem's not really done yet. <laughs> oh, no. I when I submit, I take, I you take, take all out. that oh, out. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. I love that a lot of our conversations that we have with people are just like, well, it's not done. <laughs> Literally, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like literally, even the, the last poem or the, the polished draft is never quite done. Yeah. yeah. Once you get obsessed with editing, it's hard to, hard it's hard to, stop. to stop. It's hard to know when a thing is, is complete. Yeah. For sure. I was just listening to that um, Rachel Zucker interview with Terrence Hayes, mm-hmm. and he said, no poem's 100%. You might get to 80%. Yeah. Like, I've, he's like, I've never seen a 100% poem. Yeah. I mean, like. Which is, again, <laughs> encouraging. That is it's, very encouraging. It is encouraging, and I think, like, I wonder whether, not to get too, like, philosophical, but I wonder whether part of the nature of poems is that they're never 100%, like, if it was 100% of a poem. Like, I think that Elizabeth Bishop poem that we read, The One Art, is, like, the the most perfect, but it's still not perfect. It's, like, the closest to being perfect. Like, yeah. that's maybe, like, a 98% poem, in my yeah. humble opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still not hundred percent. And I wonder, I wonder whether the nature of poetry is that it can never be. Or would like, we stop writing poems? Right. Like if somebody did the thing and wrote the hundred percent poem, like would we, all would, just we wouldn't tear need to, our would we not need and, to write, yeah. like, would we I mean, stop? we could start there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you just start backwards. Let's go. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just wonder. Cause if like, if, Maybe my thesis is that all poems are reaching for something. Yeah. And so if you write a perfect poem, like, it's no longer reaching. It's, re- it's like, at a destination. Mm-hmm. Well, you were talking about, so I was just listening to the podcast with Alyssa. Yeah. And y'all were talking about how the poem is a way to understand something. Like, you're writing yeah. your way into that understanding. And so if, if you already knew it, you wouldn't, Be you wouldn't write the poem. Yeah, you, yeah, wouldn't yeah. Need to, you wouldn't need the poem anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think about that a lot because I like sometimes feel a little self-absorbed because I'm always writing about writing about self or family, yeah. um, and it was really interesting to hear Alyssa be like, a poem like a poem has to be about you, and I, I it, like, <laughs> you know, that's not like, not to be prescriptive, but that like it, it it makes so much sense to me that the the questions that we're asking about the world are the things that we're writing poems about, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. And if you knew everything about your poem like it would sound you would the reader would know like, like douchebag yeah it would sound didactic and yeah. like yeah yeah this it would poem be a boring is titled 100 <laughs> percent. it's just the 100 emoji this is the start of our new podcast 100 <laughs> keeping it 100 at all times always um that's a joke for my friend amy hi part of um, it you know i think part of it come it goes to process too though like, you know, Whitman wrote Leaves of Grass until he died. Like, he yeah. kept revising Leaves of Grass, even though it's stunning. Like, it's I love one of that. The- Writers are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Why would he Cuckoo do that? Bananas. Yeah, that's so funny. It's great. He's but a- yeah, but yeah, yeah. We're all cuckoo bananas. <laughs> I didn't have anything profound to say. <laughs> I read this theory. Actually, I heard it from Malcolm Gladwell. Um, but he was sort of reiterating this theory that I think an economist actually wrote for about artists but he said basically they have two trajectories Picasso or Cezanne Mm. where Picasso's like bursts onto the scene very focused has a direction and executes on it like immediately Mm -hmm. and then Cezanne who kind of works it has to like 
work his way into a painting and have someone sit a hundred times for a portrait and keep yeah. like until he dies keep fixing that that painting yeah um unfortunately i'm more towards the Cezanne <laughs> side of yeah. that spectrum um yeah i've got poems that i that took me five or six years before i was like okay this is done yeah. Right, and it's like at the end of the day, it's like a one-page thing. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, which is, it, and page count doesn't ma- doesn't matter. But I a, love that. I think maybe people start off as wanting the Picasso experience, as it were, yeah. but end up getting or desiring the the long game more. more so yeah, well, and Picasso was an asshole. So <laughs> <laughs> why are we talking about well, him anyway? Picasso. <laughs> um, you can cut all that out. That <laughs> no, 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 no. I think, <laughs> oh, that's it's, but I do think it's a really interesting. It's an interesting idea. I thought you were going to talk about the ten thousand hours thing, and I was like, no. Oh no, I. Gladwell's interesting, but like, yeah, his all of his evidence is anecdotal. Right. What's He's the a 10, good writer. Hours thing. It's a whole his whole like conceit is that you uh, become an expert when you spent ten thousand hours doing something. Whew, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like I'm an expert on TV. <laughs> yeah, I'm an expert on sleeping. Uh, <laughs> good night. Get pretty good at driving. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. well, it's just it feels a little bit like the thing that the straight white male professor tells you that you have to write for two hours every day in order to be a good writer, oh, and yeah. you're like. <laughs> you have a wife at home who takes care of your children and makes your meals and does your laundry, don't you? Like, fucker. Like, you have a cushy, tenured position. Like, you are at the pinnacle of privilege. And that is the only reason why every day you can carve out two hours. You know? And it's just so arbitrary and, like, not how, like, people work. I have to take care of myself. And I am difficult. <laughs> I am high maintenance. How do I fit writing in with such a packed schedule? Yeah, exactly. Um, we've gone off track again. Um, well, yeah, but you need, like, it's fine to write cyclically. You don't need to write every day. Like, that never, I mean, that's the advice everyone gives you, but it's like, that doesn't work for most writers, I think. Right, and I think I go that months without writing sometimes. Right, and yeah. I think that there's, it's important to have rhythms with everything in your life. Like, you yeah. don't go every day going to the gym or you would, like, kill your muscles, you know? Yeah. Like, you have to have days of rest. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to balance the, like those endeavors in yeah. your life. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of, I mean, a lot of the reason I think we started this podcast was because of like post-grad burnout. Yeah. Basically. God, yeah. Um, I remember it had to be over a year ago now when, um, great poet Alicia Mountain was a reading at the 10 IC reading and you sent me a piece that she wrote about, um, oh, yeah. writer's block yeah, or, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't remember what it was titled. Um, yeah, but it was something because we were both like going through this thing where we were feeling really bad about not writing. And yeah, it was a little bit about writer's block, but I think it was also just like, hey, it's okay to not be writing. You're still a writer. Yeah. Like, well, there was something in it too that was about how maybe you're always writing. Yeah. Like maybe you do actually write every day by just like formulating the thoughts that you do and by, you know, making a note in your phone or making a note of how. Like, the way someone's sitting, you know, just, like, noticing yeah, things. Like, maybe absolutely. you are actually writing and you're still a writer even if you're not, like, sitting down at your computer or whatever what you mentally visualize yeah. writers look like when they're writing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you're still doing the thing and yeah. practicing even if you're not 
officially writing. Yeah, and some of my best ideas have come to me like while I've been like doing the dishes. Not like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like while my brain is partially distracted by like a like a like sort a of rote, menial task, yeah, yeah rote task. Um or, yeah, it, so I do think that like it doesn't always look like you like studiously sitting down with a a, a quill and a leather bound <laughs> notebook and That's like, only how I write. Yeah. Um yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think if you're noticing like if you're just open to the world yeah. like and you're noticing things like that's all has the potential to come back into a poem. Yeah. Right. It's just a matter of I think like being intentional about it and like yeah. and then actually at some you point do. writing it down. You yeah. do have to carve yeah. out that time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. agree. Um I'm curious about a couple of moves you make in the poem which maybe won't be as much fun to talk about for people who don't see it on the page. But one thing that I was interested in is this using the initial M. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that a little bit. Anon- anonymity of it? I mean, it can't be that anonymous for the person who knows that it's them. She, she knows who she is, but originally... <laughs> well, and we're, she- we're back with shitty. She knows who she is. <laughs> and she knows what she's done. <laughs> <laughs> originally <laughs> sorry didn't we make you that weird that? no no I'm just like there's so many other poems that are <laughs> amazing we'll invite you back for our yeah ex's podcast <laughs> yeah we'll have a series that just people bringing in breakup poems it'll be amazing ooh let's do it on in February <laughs> <laughs> yeah perfect I love it um, uh, no, originally her name was in the poem, um, mm. and, um, Marilyn had seen a bunch, Marilyn Gallagher had seen a bunch of those poems. She's like, I don't think you should keep using her name. Mm. And I was like, why? Like, she has written stuff about me, because she was also a writer at the time. I don't know if she's still writing, but, um, that's where we met, actually. <laughs> uh. Um, and she's like, eh, just think about it. And so I did, and I was like... Eventually, I was like, yeah, I mean, there's no reason her name... First of all, it's like, mm, it's like yeah. tighter on the page. Mm-hmm. And also, like, it does... I don't want... I don't want it to sound like I'm calling her out. Like, because I'm not... Like, there's no bad feelings. There's no... At one point, you know, there was. But, sure. like, I don't want it to sound like I'm accusing her of anything. Because I don't... That's not how I feel. And so I don't want her to... F- I wouldn't want her or a reader to think that I'm, like, directing any sort of, like negative energy right. at her yeah 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 so making it m takes some of the yeah i hope so because <laughs> hmm. also it's not 100 percent clear that it's necessarily like an x i mean you bring yeah. it back later and talking about like or in the first draft there was something about x's but yeah. when it's just an argument like it could be an argument between anybody oh yeah i didn't think about that <laughs> Interesting. I will, because honestly, <laughs> because it, the, when I argued with them, I always, the, the, like, the idea of, like, going back and revising a point that you made is something, like, that's my relationship with one of my brothers. Like, he always, like, picks apart a thing, and I'm like, well, I didn't really, I didn't mean it. Like, I didn't, I mean it, I didn't mean that. Like, and I have to go back and, like, re-explain myself when really, like, my argument isn't even about that, but he's doing the whole, like, logic thing so much that yeah. I have to, like, be like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> I didn't formulate my argument correctly. Andrew, my older brother. <laughs> <laughs> you mean A. I mean A. 
<laughs> yeah, no, he and I have a better relationship now, but there was a time when he ha- always had to be right, and it was very irritating because I, too, always want to be right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Cut from the same cloth. Another sidetrack. Um, so the way we usually end this is, what are you working on? What are you up to? Where can people find you if you wish to be found? <laughs> the, in the city of Nashville. <laughs> I'm in Nashville. Just, the address. Just like, go to Nashville yeah. and figure it out. Yeah. Uh, I do go to the some of the open mics. There's a couple, like, well, one regular one now. The One of the ones I went to st- stopped. Oh, bummer. I, they closed up shop. Bummer. <laughs> well, the venue that they went to, oh. like, closed. Oh, <laughs> so, so then they were like, mm. yeah, We don't know where to go. We're done. <laughs> that's well, that's tough. cool. That's, I've never done that. Oh, uh, wait. Maybe I did that once. We did that once. Going to an open mic? Yeah. Yeah. We did that once. Yeah. There's a good one here. I forgot. Uh, electric pheasant that's yeah. what we did yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like i've never done that oh ooh, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah we went to the electric pheasant i yeah that was one of that was yeah we went we, there once we went there we? with like yeah, katie but, condon and, yeah and i think that was the first time we met or recently anyway but yeah we went to the when they katie were hurt no she's writing under katie condon so. she's writing under condon yeah mm-hmm. we're actually interviewing her later not today tonight cool. but like in a couple of days. I can't <laughs> wait for her book to come out. It's going to be so oh good. It's going to be so good. I'm so excited. I got, got picked up because she had been working on it for so long. Yeah. I'm just so proud of her. Yeah. Anyway. So shout out to Katie Condon. Shout out to Katie Condon. Shout out to Electric Pheasant Reading Series yeah, here in Knoxville. Um, but what are you working on? What are you up to? It sounds like from your bio, you've got a book. I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm work. So the thing that was sort of holding. <laughs> interested in my backpack. Yeah. Um, the thing that was sort of holding me back is that I was writing in Microsoft Word a lot Mm. but I'm a tech writer and I'm like I can do better than this Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so I I hate Microsoft Word and like just sending out journal submissions is such a pain because you're just like I gotta copy and paste and your styles get all messed up and even if you're using templates it's still a pain so I wrote some templates in like HTML and CSS and I wrote like I spun up a server and now I'm like publishing on my server and it's really streamlined the process so cool. oh I don't know what any of that means <laughs> <laughs> but I think I want one I don't know it sounds really cool can I do that can I have one um, when you write is your screen all black and it's like lime green it's <laughs> like you're hacking away yeah. yeah I use I use git to version all of like keep track of all my my version my poem versions so yeah i do right on, <laughs> you right on the command line sometimes <laughs> I, love it. That's I used to have a app on my computer that would do that just because you like the way it looked yeah that's fun <laughs> it, it tricks my brain yeah <laughs> did you write, suddenly start writing a bunch of like secret agent fiction pieces? i wrote i was very hunched and i only wrote in courier new <laughs> <laughs> if it's if, not, if the keyboard's not making that sound while you're in that why why do it Oh shit! That's the thing I meant to. I, I just kind of uh, as a tangent to the poem. <laughs> yeah. Is that you notice the first draft's in Times New Roman, and the final draft is in Garamond. That's how you know it's done. Yeah. That's how you know it's a poem. Yeah. Well, we were. What? Who? I even asked that question on Twitter, but you commented that you you draft in Garamond, and I was like, you cannot fucking draft in Garamond. <laughs> You're playing with fire. Then yeah. you think everything's a poem. That's why you had to do the bracket. I could write, my grocery, I could write my grocery list in Garamond and think it was a fucking poem. Yeah. That's not a bad I mean, that's not a bad start. <laughs> Please yeah. write a grocery list poem. Yeah, I should. But you know what? I'm going to say something that might not, might be controversial here. I'm ready. 
Garamond italics is trash. It's garbage. Yeah. It's utter okay, garbage. Okay, good. I'm glad no, we're all it's on the not. Page. Can I say Times New Roman italics is kind of nice? Yeah. yeah, it's not bad. I don't I hate agree. it. Yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> Everyone, what's your favorite font? Comment below. <laughs> <laughs> we watch a lot of YouTube. So we're like, what's the reference for not visual media? Subscribe, <laughs> click the bell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Smash that like button. <laughs> <laughs> one hundred. Keeping it one hundred. Gosh, I feel like that. Uh, you know that movie Eighth Grade where the the teacher's like Gucci. <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to like hello be one fellow with kids. These. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, okay, so so you're working on a um a book and you can be found anywhere. No, just yes? on Twitter, really. Yeah, Andrew Peter. What's your handle? At Dylan Andrew P. Mm, change yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> Mixing it up. I think maybe my, the right way it wasn't maybe available. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's why Brinzy works so well because like it's a nonsense word and so no one else has that handle. Yeah. And really that's good. Also because I got on Twitter like three days after it started. So <laughs> that's not true. You. In the early well, great. days. Well, follow Andrew on Twitter. Yes, follow Andrew on Twitter. Follow SFD Podcast on Twitter. And Instagram. And Instagram. Do you Instagram? I don't have the Instagram. That's probably healthy. (laughs) Yeah, but it's fun. I like Instagram. (laughs) I don't take that many pictures. Yeah. Or when I do, like, I never look at them again. (laughs) Fair. Fair. I think of it as just, like, curating a little mini gallery of your own life, which is nice. Um, But I like attention. I told my mom that Instagram was, like, on, the only interesting part of Facebook. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like people's other people's pictures. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes you get their captions and they get to get all like mushy. Mushy and stuff. But anyway. I got to open a, an Instagram because there's a tattoo artist. I want to get some work done and she's she books her appointments on Instagram. Dude, so I have to. That's how I... Yeah. That's how I got this tattoo. Oh, nice. That guy came in. Oh, to ta- he, he came in. He was an Instagram guy. Yeah. He's based in Vegas, but he like put out an ad on Instagram that he was going to be in town. And I was like, hell yeah. And I, <laughs> because I really liked his work. And anyway, that's the way to do it. That's great. Um, so <laughs> again, another tangent. Um, if you want to go more old school, you can also send us an email at sfdpodcast mm-hmm. at gmail.com. We will. Yeah, reply you could, to you, you at also, some point. You could also send us a DM and ask to be a guest on our podcast. Someone in this room has done that. <laughs> I think it was Andrew P. Dillon. He didn't ask directly. He oh. What he did is he texted me and complimented the podcast. And mm. that is an excellent way. <laughs> right? Friends, we're circling back. Be nice to people and cool things will happen. Exactly. Yeah. Compliments always work. <laughs> Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> Um, anyway, so that's all. That's all. That's the podcast. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so for much coming. for coming and taking some of your time and, and for listening to hang out with us. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I was really excited this whole week. Yay! I was it before the oh no, it was running. I was I said I was like <laughs> trying to listen to like smart interviews so I yeah. could say in, intelligent things. <laughs> yeah, well it was amazing. it was great. Um we had so much fun. Yeah, cool. All right. Signing off. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I think I usually say good night, but it's usually like three o'clock in the afternoon. Well, and people are listening to it at any point.